You're listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast, where you'll learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability, Eric Rosenberg. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast for episode number 28. And I'm excited to have a uh, a really cool guest on with us today. Someone who I met at FinCon, like in St. Louis. That was FinCon 3, if I'm remembering right. We got to hang out and be buddies and went out to the after parties together and had an awesome time. And he came through in a clutch situation for me at this most recent conference when I couldn't figure out how the sound stuff works. And this guy is a... um, serious audio engineer. He has, he has some good knowledge on that. And I'm speaking of, of course, of none other than the amazing Jacob Wade from iHeartBudgets, who is on the line with us. Say hello, Jacob. Eric, thanks for having me. How's Ooh, it going? I am doing excellent. You know, it's a, uh, it's a nice, cool Portland evening. I know you're just a few hours north up in uh, Seattle. So we, we share our Pacific Northwest uh, reined in weather. That's mm-hmm. uh it's it's actually it's a bummer this time of year because you know I'm doing uh, pilot lessons to to learn how to be a private pilot. I'm about halfway through my hours, but I have gotten very few hours since uh, since our infamous uh, Northwest uh, winters have set in. I can't fly when it's cloudy, so well, that means I can't fly much. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say you've got like a 15 day window during the summer, and, and you're good to go. Yeah, it's you know I, I tell people when they haven't been up this way before, I say if you come after July 4th. For about eight weeks, you're pretty safe that you'll have nice weather. And outside of that, expect rain. Yeah, and that's the, that's funny you mentioned that. It actually it is required that it's after July 4th because it will rain on the 4th of July. And then July 5th will be uh, 75 to 80 for the next eight weeks. Yeah. yeah that's what Kathleen from um, Frugal Portland, you know, she, she's another Portland local. And she's been in this part of the world a lot longer than I have, co- mm-hmm. me coming from Denver. And um, she was the one who told me 4th of July is – that's when you can start saying the weather will be nice. I think, huh, that's, that's an interesting way to, it's, oh. it's a good, it's a good marker though. It is truth. So speaking of, of blogs and people we know, could you share with everybody your story, how you started your website and, um, and a little bit about what your site is about? Yeah, absolutely. So again, name's Jacob Wade and, uh, I run the blog iHeartBudgets.net. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. It's a budgeting and finance-focused website based on uh, getting on a budget, uh, knocking out your money goals, uh, some cool ways to save, and and just other great uh, great ways to manage your money. So my background, if we go way back, let's do uh, it. Let's dig let's in. Let's go way back. So I uh, just turned thirty. So let's go back ten years. I was twenty, and I was working at Radio Shack at the mall making a killing uh, <laughs> radio shack that doesn't exist anymore in the, in the same form. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So we were there uh, selling prepaid cell phones and doing our thing. Totally legit. But I was there uh, working at radio shack. I did a little construction with my uncle in the summer, but it was mostly just the radio shack job. Uh, and I did not manage my money at all. I spent it because I could. And, uh, and if it actually, you know what, that's a good pause. Let me go back to, age 18 because this is really worth did you, did you get started. anything cool with that money at least so when i well let's let's even go back <laughs> further i tu- when i turned 18 i received almost one hundred thousand dollars wow and i put that in is that an inheritance in my banking account so it's two things so 
unfortunately, when I was four, my, my father passed and there was some type of litigation. I don't know the details, but essentially my mom set aside some money to uh, come to me when I turned age 18, $25,000. It was an inheritance that I received and, to, and, and there was no like earmark, like must be used for education. None of that stuff. It was here's some cash, 18 year old, which in retrospect, probably not the best plan. And I probably won't set it up that way with my kids, but I received that. But right before I turned 18, I got in a car wreck and broke my neck. Ooh. And we're talking, we're talking a uh, car that was going probably a buck 10, buck 20, uh, went up an embankment because it just missed hitting another car, went up an embankment and rolled six times. Whoa. Every That's time- like a movie. Oh, oh man, this was like, like, you remember that James Bond movie? Uh, I think it was Casino Royale where he flipped that car like so many times. Yeah, that was me. But wow. it was coming down an embankment and every time the car flipped, it landed on its roof on my side of the car. I was the passenger. I was not driving. And the car crushed me. So Ooh. pushed my head down, compressed my spine to the point where my vertebrae exploded in my neck. So I'm guessing so, you didn't just like hop out of the car and adjust your bow tie like James Bond. Not quite no. that classy. No, I'm not maybe trying to make light of your accident. That's a, <laughs> that's a driving, horrible accident. Yeah, yeah and the, here, the great thing is I don't remember any of it. Uh, I had to be told all the details of what happened because uh, actually my memory, I was watching the like MTV Movie Awards because I was 17 and that's what you do. Totally. And, and my memory literally fades to black wow. two hours prior to the crash. And then I woke up in the hospital. It's an amazing, amazing biological thing that our brains do that. They... <laughs> Totally block out the worst things. Yep. It's like, a, hey, I think this, that's a good thing. It's like trauma, put it in the recycle bin, empty. And yeah. so um, anyway, broke my neck. My bones are crushed. I've got metal on my neck now. I'm, you know, like half Terminator at this point. I'm made of metal. Do you beep I, going through security at the Luckily, airport? I don't. I think it was some fancy stuff. Maybe it was adamantium. I don't know. They put <laughs> something really fancy in there. But I've got eight screws, two plates. And obviously, there was a settlement after that. So I received $70,000 plus the twenty five. I had $95,000 uh, plus from kind of working and stuff. I had some money aside. So I essentially had $100,000 in my bank at age 18 to do with whatever I wanted to do. So obviously you decided to put that money into a 529 so you wouldn't pay taxes on it and then you go to college with it, right? That's the not what I did. Oh, obviously. Yeah, I was joking. <laughs> uh, this, and this is the part of the show where I need to crack my beer because sometimes it's painful to crack. I, I was going to wait till you turn 21 <laughs> in the story, but uh, this is a good enough juncture. So, so Oh, goodness. Yes, regular listeners know that uh, personal finance should be fun and personal. It shouldn't all just be uptight. So... Uh, Jacob, would you share with us what you are uh, drinking up there in Seattle? So there's a local brewery called Hales Ales uh, in Shoreline, uh, Washington here, and it's called El Jefe. It's a Wisen Ale, Bavarian style. I have seen that one on the shelves. It's yeah. Funny story. I hate it. It's not very good. Um, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a frugal blogger, right? And I bought uh, a bunch of beer for my birthday party, which was uh, almost a month ago. And this is the last can and so I am so excited to drink this because then I can go buy more beer because totally. I had some good beer because I, I, I have the other IPAs were okay, but this one in particular was the last four and I just had to choke them down. So okay, well, I so- live, uh, I live about a mile or so from gigantic brewing. If you've ever seen their stuff, they're amazing. And I have a gigantic Ooh. IPA here and I'm holding it up and cheersing it to you virtually via the internet. Sir, thank you. I'm going to. 
And if you listeners are able to join us in uh, in having a beer, this is your opportunity to hit the pause button, go grab your favorite brew cocktail. I don't judge if you, if you like something other than beer. I mean, I might judge a little, but you're you're allowed to like what you'd like. <laughs> and please do because this story gets better. So I'm going to take a uh... taking a big swig. Oh, it's so delicious. Sometimes I find if you know, I have a, a serious podcast mic, if I like hold my throat right by the microphone as I gulp, let's let's see if you guys hear my gulp. Let's try it. Ooh. Did you catch that? Goodness, that had some bass to it. Yeah, it's all about the bass. Yeah. <laughs> about that bass. <laughs> so, um, so where are we? I'm 18. Uh, I came into a, a bunch of money, and you have I, a, uh, have a, a digital on. neck or a yeah. digital neck, a uh, robot neck. Yeah, so I have a, a, a non-analog neck, and I have this big neck brace on, and I'm like, well, I have a hundred thousand dollars. What should I do? So the first thing I did was I stuck it in. I stuck, uh, I think, sixty grand of it in CDs because that's what you did back then. You put it in a totally. CD. Well, then uh, back in when we were the same age, so when you were eighteen, seventeen, a CD was paying probably five percent, four percent. It was, and so I'm like, sweet, I'll put this money away. I'll have 30, 40 grand to live on and do whatever with. And then I feel like I did the right thing. But, and this is a big but, somehow we convinced the bank manager to put a clause in before I signed the CD uh, note or whatever it was, the agreement, they, we stuck a clause in for early withdrawal, no penalty. Ooh. That's going to be key later in the story. <laughs> Yeah, that's not something so, that normally uh, comes with a CD. They, they do not do that. And I was able to somehow, I don't even know why. I still can think back, like, why did we put that in? Anyway, put that in, got that got that all set up. My mom helped me get it set up. And I was like, thanks, mom. Sweet. I'm, at, I'm saving money. And so I've got this money. So now uh, I've got $40,000. So what's the first thing I do? Well, I'm 18. I want a ball and vehicle. So I decided to, because I didn't know anything about the cars, I decided to go get a two-seater lowrider truck. Huh. Because, because, again, I didn't know anything about cars. Did it have big rims? Oh, not yet, but it will. So <laughs> I, I spent 9500 bucks because you go to a dealer and they rip you off. I spent 9500 bucks. At least it was a used car and I bought it cash. So that was good. That helps a little. And the first thing I did was go to this uh, car stereo place that somebody recommended me. And I dropped $4,500 into the stereo. Wow. So I got custom subs because it was a two-seater non-extended cab like, truck. I didn't and even so spend that much on my speakers and I'm a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I put it into perspective. Oh goodness! And so I it had a touch screen that popped out that even had a little antenna to get local cable channels. It had a rear view camera, a wireless rear view camera. I had a, a brain box under the seat that I was able to stick behind my uh, behind my front seats. I put an Xbox uh, and a PlayStation Two in there, and I <laughs> uh, had two custom subs with a thousand watt app, all brand new speakers, and then I had underglow and I had black lights inside the cab of the truck. Do you still have it? Oh goodness, no. So uh, and then I then I bought rims from a friend, but they were they were stolen rims. Apparently, I didn't know what hot meant. He's like, yeah, these are hot, and I was like, oh, you mean like, like we'll make it pop? No, no, uh, yeah, that was, that's nope. not the same. thing. Apparently, they were like taken off another car. Anyway, I got these, and they were the hundred spoke rims. Like the, I can't even, man, they were bad. They weren't spinners though, huh? Oh, uh, that was the next step. I didn't quite go there. So I had dropped. Almost, let's see, uh, 14 grand into this vehicle. So the other piece was, is that I spent some money on uh, a Cadillac. I bought my mom Cadillac because I was like, my mom needs a car. So I got her. It was just used one is $4,000. And 
but it was did, still did you get her like, the same stereo you got yourself oh my gosh i should have it would have been worth more than her car no no just got <laughs> the cadillac um that later died so that was fun and then i uh i ended enrolling myself into art school because i thought i was going to be a dj producer guy and so i went to the art institute of seattle now tuition was way more than i would ever recommend anybody paying for an art school but it was thirty two thousand dollars for an 18 month course and I paid half of it and pulled out half in student loans because. Even though I, you had the cash, you're like, eh, I'll just take the loans because they're giving yep, them to me. Because Exactly. It's like That's free exactly. money, right? Yep. So essentially I did that. And then once I enrolled in school, I moved in with some buddies in Seattle and I was running out of money and I didn't want to work during school. So I went back to the bank manager at the nice bank of America and I said, Hey, I need to exercise those CDs. And then I dumped them all into a savings account. And then I just strategically drained $1,500 a month for 18 months to live on, which actually looking back, I'm like, sweet. I lived on $1,500 a month. That's pretty good with rent and everything. Yeah, that's not uh, so bad. But here's the other piece is that was sort of my regular expenses. I have $35,000 over that period of time that disappeared and I have no idea where it went. I have wow. no receipts. I have no assets. I have no idea. I, I blew $35,000. So like at least so you, you spent it. It wasn't like someone else who blew through it, right? Oh, oh no, no, it was me. It was all me. And I have no idea it, whether it was mall food or shopping or. I, we weren't I, going to the bars yet. No, I, and I wasn't even 21. So I blew all this. I blew $100,000. Like, like I had those moments uh, when, you know, after after college, when I had the job and all. Um, I have to give myself that disclaimer. But I did have those moments where I was at the nightclub with my friends. I was like, round of Jaeger bombs on me. And I mean, that's a really quick way to you know, spend $100 in under a minute. But, but uh, Luckily, I wasn't there. I would have gone much quicker. But so I, <laughs> I essentially, and then I had to sell my truck which I had 14 grand into. I sold it for seven grand two years later to pay rent because I ran out of money completely. So it was a hundred thousand dollars in, in just over two years before I turned 21. Was it at least a really fun couple of years? It, it, yeah, it was kind of a blast. It, it, it was fun. I'm not trying to tell other people to <laughs> repeat it. I'm just, just hoping you had a good time. Oh no, there, there was some fun in there. But when I look back, I'm like, I probably could have had the same amount of fun for a tenth of the cost. And and then I look back and see things like, hey, what if I had stuck all that money uh, and, and invested it and rode the market for the last 10 years? Where would I be? Yeah. Oh, up uh, over $100,000. Oh, cool. So I'd probably have over $200,000. We'd be to the point where my house would almost be paid off. I mean, insane. That is serious um, money. Uh, I call that a opportunity cost. Yeah. Yeah. I was... Uh... When people come to me, you know, I'm, I'm sure you see the same thing on your site. People are like, well, where, where should I invest my money? What should I do with this? You know, the safest thing I always say to people, especially young people, just put it in an S&P 500 index fund. Yep. Don't touch it. Just just let it do its thing. It might go down. It might go up. Don't even pay attention. And before you know it, when it's time for you to buy your first home, when you have a family, um, you'll have a down payment. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it grows over time. And, and and coincidentally, that's that's where my money is now. It is, it is in your home? Or no, in the S&P 500? In the S&P 500 index fund. That is I where have... a very large portion of my, my investments are. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, um, so, so you blew through all this money. Did you finish school? So at least I finished school. That's um, good. And I, I got a good grade and everything. And 
I was able to get a job out of it making 14 whole dollars an hour. Absolutely killed it. So I, I paid 16 grand. I had uh, another 16 in student loans and I was making 14 bucks an hour. Where did you, was it a, a big company, a small company? It was a very small company. I actually did high-end th- home theater install in the Seattle area. So I actually got to go down to the waterfront, $10 million homes and install uh, half million dollar home theaters. So you were like setting up Bill Gates speakers? Bill Gates had a whole I mean, not literally company. Bill Gates, but. <laughs> it was just funny because he does live on the water there uh, <laughs> and, and some other company did it. But yeah, essentially I was going down and it was these ultra wealthy families with, you know, Ferraris parked in the garage and 10, 15,000 square foot houses on the water with yachts. And we were doing a um, ton of their stuff. I actually went on a yacht and we did, we did one of the yachts and um, uh, just the finished piece of it. But yeah, it was, it was kind of cool experience, low pay. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I'm again, AV background. I went to school. I learned how to record records and do a live sound and all that. And so I applied that knowledge, but then I got into the corporate AV world uh, at a large tech company, and uh, eight years later, I'm still there. Well, that's, and uh, has your career grown since you've been there? Yeah. So one of the cool things is, is I got in, and I didn't know a lot about how to build a career out or how to make more money or progress, but I learned very quickly that I just need to kind of try harder than the next guy, and that's not very hard because most people really are just coasting. Uh, in the corporate world, it's 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 kind of insane to to look at it. But I came in and I had some hunger, right? And I was like, I, hey, I want to I want to do something. I want to learn more. I want to use my AV skills. So I uh, quickly got a dollar an hour raise more than I came in at, and then I within six months became a lead, and then uh, within a year and a half after that, I became a systems engineer. And then within two years after that, I became a a help desk manager. And then I actually got pulled over into IT about a year and a half ago. And now I'm sort of like tier three service manager level over uh, or video and and video conferencing and and just kind of the conference space. So it's it's kind of been a cool trajectory. But at one point, I tripled my salary in, in, uh, I think, less than five years. That's pretty sweet. And uh, it was it's taken me about a decade to double mine. I wish I could have tripled it in under five years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it helps that I wasn't making a ton at the beginning, but I also, again, it was just sort of this asking what I can do more and taking on more responsibility versus sitting and waiting for somebody to assign me something. So I just had this, this drive. And really for me, it was, I got married and all of a sudden I just had this drive. I was like, I, I want to provide, I want to to do really well at this. And I just started pushing and hustling. And, and uh, I actually, when I got married, I, I moved away from that job for a year. I took a, a salary with less money, but I, they allowed me to work part-time, five hours a week, telecommuting. So I did, I had two jobs from pretty much the beginning of my marriage. And, and actually that kind of plays out throughout my story. Because so say, there, there's another story in here going on at the same time that, that we, we have to fill in the gaps. So yes. I, I hard budgets. Right. So essentially, I got, I blew through all the money. I got engaged and uh, I had already started working at this company, but she knew uh, you blew through all that money when you got engaged uh, or did you tell her that after? She started dating me because she thought I had money. (laughs) We love telling this story because obviously it doesn't matter now and, and I had blown it all. But when we started dating, I did have the money and I was just finishing blowing it. Uh, and she saw the truck and all that. And so we started dating, which is, you know, we were kind of shallow on, bo- on, on both our ends, but it ended up coming together in an awesome way. And, but when I, when we ended up getting engaged in January of 2008, 
one of the first things I just all of a sudden had this weight on my shoulders, like, Hey, I actually have no idea what I'm doing with my money. And I just blew it all. Cause this was sort of at the tail end of blowing all my money. And I'm like, uh Oh, I got, I got to figure something out. And so all of a sudden I started tracking my money. That's the first thing it is. I, I got in a spreadsheet. I said, okay, where, where's all my money going? I downloaded my bank statements and my credit card statement. And I sort of laid it all onto a spreadsheet and I, put a category name next to every transaction, right? This is groceries. This is eating out. This is bills, whatever it was. And the first time I did that, I realized I spent $600 on mall food that month. Wow. On mall food. I was working at, at uh, well, I was, well, that was back when I worked at the mall, but basically I went through and did that. And then I'm pulling out a calculator. I'm trying to figure out what what I know that is per meal. It's, tw- it's 20 bucks a day. So it must've been two me. I don't know what it was, but I, I had spent $600 a month on mall food. And then, so I said, that has to go, right? And and that was sort of the magic for me is once I put it on paper and I saw it in front of me, I realized where I was being ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, I can can cut that because that's not a priority anymore. The Panda Express isn't that good. To be oh, worth six hundred bucks a it's month. It's so good, though. No, they, they actually I, don't I, make anything vegetarian at all. I found oh. out. Like, I I used to go there and get their like veggie noodle thing, and I found out they put chicken stock in it. I'm pretty sure they don't make anything that's real food at Panda Express. That's probably true. It's probably all chemicals anyway. Oh, it's not real chicken. No, no, no chicken product uh, byproduct. But but uh, yeah. So I, I I saw it on paper, and that sort of opened my eyes. And then. Uh, getting engaged and, and and realizing I needed to do something. I, my brother-in-law, totally just like a God moment, just dropped the Dave Ramsey audio CD in my lap. And I'm like, okay, who's this weird bald guy staring at me? What What is this? He's like, listen to it. If you want to figure out money, listen to this guy. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think so. So I brought it in my car and I threw it on the floor and I drove for about a week. And every time I got in my car, there's this bald smiling guy looking at me. And, and eventually I said, fine, Dave, I'll put the CD in. So I dropped in. It was the Total Money Makeover audiobook. I put it in. I listened to it on my commute for about a week and a half and finished it. And I was absolutely hooked. And so I got on an actual budget, not just tracking my money and saying, oh, I wasted a bunch of money, but actually, oh, I'm going to budget before the month begins and tell my money where to go. So I got on a budget and I was hooked and I, and, and I was able to cut a ton of money out and save a lot of money because we were getting married and there wasn't really any funds there from anywhere. So I was going to save and pay for the wedding. So I was able to save thousands of dollars by just getting on a real budget and minding my money well. And what happened was, is we got married and I went, we moved to Oregon. I got a job making, uh, I think it was making 14 bucks an hour down there in Oregon. Where in Oregon? Uh, this was in the Beaverton area. Okay. So we lived in the Burbs. Yeah, we lived in Newburgh uh, because she went to school at George Fox University. Newburgh is where I fly. That's where my little airport is. It's uh, I take off right next to the Newburgh River. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, no, I love that little town. It's It's a cool little town. And but I got a job working in the Beaverton area, and I was making fourteen bucks an hour. And she had a job at a coffee stand. But because we were on a budget—not a coffee stand, but a coffee shop—sorry, uh, <laughs> Oregon people—that's it's a big deal. In, in we're Seattle. we're serious about our coffee here. <laughs> Though uh, Stumptown is is no longer local, they sold out to oh. the corporate guys. Yeah, I don't remember who was about them. Probably they, Starbucks or something. They would, goodness. <laughs> but so, but because we were on a budget, and she worked for a really creepy boss, she was able to quit, and we lived on fourteen bucks an hour and still saved money. 
which was kind of insane. So we got married, we had our happy little apartment and we were able to do everything and still save two to $300 a month. And she didn't have to have that job with the creepy boss and she could just focus on finishing school, which she did. Uh, and then we moved out of there. And as I was getting, I was super into Dave Ramsey, I'd podcast him and I would just rock the budget and we just, we just killed it. It was so fun. Uh, it became a game for us. And then people around me started noticing my family, my friends and, and people at work are like, wait, you only spend what? You only spend $240 a month on food for you guys? How do you do that? Or you, you don't waste money on clothes? How do you do that? How do you? And so all of a sudden I started teaching not little budgeting classes, but sort of one-on-one -on -one financial counseling with people. And I started helping them and helping them. And I realized uh, that I was just super passionate about this and I could go on and on. And so I, I did uh, financial coaching for about five to 10 people up to that point. And then we ended up moving back and I was still really excited about it. So I helped more people. And then through our budgeting and saving and so, I mean, so there was another piece of inheritance money and and kind of the market and how everything worked, we saved up and bought a house in early 2010. And so we bought a house and my income wasn't quite enough to cover everything. Uh, my wife was working and we were kind of rocking that. And then we got pregnant. And at the time that we had gotten pregnant, I was not making enough money to cover our bills. I actually wrote a post on my, my blog called, I don't make enough money to, to pay my bills. And we didn't technically. And so I... At, the, at that time we were uh, got pregnant, I was started studying to do taxes because I was like, I, I need a second job here or another career. I need to make this happen. And, and again, I sort of just had this internal fire burning in me that I've got to do a, I've got to hustle, right? So I, I'd been getting sort of more money at work, but I didn't get the big promotion that I was hoping for. And so I started doing taxes and I got my enrolled agent certificate, started working for a small CPA firm and and did taxes on the side of my regular job. And during that, uh, once my wife stopped working, those two things were covering our bills. We had a substantial savings, luckily, uh, during that time as well. And then, again, I was still helping people with money. And because we were doing a budget, we were actually able to cut down to one income while barely making it by. Uh, if we were not on a budget, never would have happened. Never would have been able to cut well, down. Well, it's great you discovered budgeting when you did. It was uh, sounds like it was the right time. <laughs> it was It was absolutely the right time. And so... But because I talked about it so much and my wife heard about it so much, she finally said, why don't you just write about this to the internet? So you can just talk at the internet instead of me because I've heard all this and I'm so glad you're passionate about it. But please tell someone else about budgeting. So in, uh, in early May of 2012, iHeartBudgets.net was born and I started by writing out my budgeting basic series, which is still a staple of the site. Now, that was, I think, my first five posts was budgeting basics, part one through five. And so that's how the, the website was born. That's great. So in um, I'm guessing when you built the website originally, you weren't thinking it was a money-making thing. You were thinking it's a, I'm going to stop annoying my wife thing. It was, uh, you know, what's really interesting is I discovered, you know, the Yukizi Network um mm -hmm group yeah. of people and all those guys that kind of started way back then. I was one of the original class members. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was such a, a great thing. To, and there's a bunch of people that I have in my quote unquote class, right? Uh, you got Holly from Club Thrifty and oh, yeah. Grace, Grayson from Debt Roundup and, and, and all these really cool people that started around that time. And so I got pulled into there and, um, and just started blogging. I learned that some people were making money doing it. I didn't really understand how, but I'm like, I'm passionate about this anyway, so I'm going to do it. So as I started, 
it was, yeah, the first six months was just like, let me just write all the things that are on my brain about money <laughs> and put them out here so I can help more people instead of just some of the people that I chat at in real life. But it did end up uh, turning into something that, again, it was sort of my, I say, I say during that time I had two and a half jobs because the blog did start to make some income. Well, that's great. So when you started monetizing, what was your strategy and how successful was it early on? So back in the, uh, I know my blog's not that old, but in the early days of 2012, 2013. Hey, that makes uh, you like 50 in blog years. Pretty much, yeah. So uh, <laughs> the first way I figured out I tried monetizing was uh, signing for a Google AdSense account and just sticking some ad sidebar ads in there. Little pictures like, hey, click this. And, you know, it uses people's cash and says, oh, hey, you're probably interested in this. If you search this, then then maybe they'll click here. And that that never picked up. And to be honest, to today still is not optimized on my site. I've so actually I started, removed it from my site. When yeah. I, uh, at the beginning <laughs> of this year, when I rebranded from narrow bridge to personal profitability, yeah. I decided it was actually something, um, I, I feel like FinCon comes up a lot in this podcast. I was at FinCon in uh, New Orleans, probably mm-hmm. the FinCon that I did the least amount of like actual real work stuff of all of the FinCons, given, yeah. given we were two blocks from Bourbon Street. But one of the <laughs> sessions I went to was uh, Mr. and Mrs. Money Mustache. And they were doing a teardown mm-hmm. on people's blogs saying, you know, here's things that we like, here's things that we don't like. And um, Mr. Money Mustache, he said, um, hey, look at this, there's ads all over. Everyone who comes to your site, I'm sure they're like, man, those ads are awesome. I want to see more ads on your site. I was like... You're making a really good point there. You know, people don't don't want to. Yeah, I don't even like notice click ads anymore. I think a lot of people just zone them out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And everybody's got ad block installed and all that. So uh, I I started with that. I tried to do Amazon because I wanted. I had a few books I wanted to recommend. You know, uh, The Millionaire Next Door, Total Money Makeover, the financial pieces stuff that that had really benefited me. I get made almost no money on that stuff, and I didn't really have the traffic to do so. But what I found out. Uh, is that people would pay money to mention their their blog or their company, and then you put a link to their to their site. This was sponsored content is a nice way to say it, but really it was link farming, and it uh, it ended up coming back to haunt me. But they paid a substantial amount of money. They say we'll pay you, uh, I don't know, two hundred bucks if you stick this link in there and leave it for twelve months. Oh, okay, and it's just some old post, and I'm not spamming it out to everybody and i always made sure it was some company that wasn't super sketchy it was just some you know online bank or whatever fine i'll put it in there and then every now and then they say hey can we do a guest post and we'll write about something your audience would like and then we'll put the link in there and we'll pay you 300 bucks and and so i started doing that and actually made a decent amount of money i was making i think five eight hundred dollars a month doing that unfortunately that came back to bite me because Google in their terms of service say, Hey, you're, you're essentially just selling links, which you're not allowed to do. And well, you're allowed to do it. You're just not allowed to do it and be ranked in Google at the same time. That's what I'm saying is, is <laughs> it, not, not, not according to the law, but according to Google's standards, if they want to keep, if you want to keep your search ranking, uh, which I did, I wanted to make sure my ranking was, you know, that I was a legit site through people trying to find answers to their questions through Google. And they slapped me, penalized me, and knocked me down to a PR zero. I essentially had to, luckily, the most of the links were expiring at that time. And so I went through and removed all the links and I shot Google a mail and they, they gave it back to me within a month. 
But then I, at that point, I said, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to be selling links. Like it gets them exposed, these companies exposure, they gave me money, but that's not really what I'm about. So that was my first foray into making money. And I made a few thousand dollars doing that. Again, helped during the time we needed. I didn't feel bad about it because it was legit companies, but it wasn't really the, the style that I wanted to go for. Now, at that same time, luckily, in came uh, uh, travel hacking and uh, I got approved for some credit cards at that same time. And so that income was actually quickly replaced and exceeded after getting some good traffic. I did guest posts on some big sites, Mr. Money Mustache, and got featured in the front page of Yahoo and a few other things. Got a bunch of traffic in. And then I started teaching people how to use credit card points to get free travel. And when they would sign up through the credit card from my link, you know, I got paid a commission. So the good old days, the, the good old days when they would actually approve you for a credit card, they will no longer do that without crazy compliance. We all know about that now. But so, yeah, so essentially I was like, oh, there goes an income stream. And I was still doing taxes at this time. But then back came the uh, the here in came the credit card affiliates and and traffic and, and those kind of things. So so it, it kind of worked out that it sort of replaced that income and it was kind of kept going for a little while. And so that was sort of how my blog sort of built. I would say at the most, I made eight grand in a year. Then again, this was on the side. I was working a full-time job and then during tax season, I was putting in 70 plus hours and I still did some blogging stuff on the side. So I was serious hours. (laughs) Like 50 hours to me, I get pretty worn out. At 70, I am absolutely mush. I, I was I was a whole lot of mush at that point. And brains don't function very well with that, that, no, no. that kind of work. And, and and again, it was sort of this hustle in me that I needed to to make it happen so that I could provide for my family so my wife could stay at home. And and it was just something that we we both really wanted to do. And I was willing to do that. And so we did that sacrifice for a couple of years. And then luckily I was able to maneuver my way up through the company and get me to a place where I didn't need that side income. So I quit taxes a couple of years ago uh, and I didn't need the blog income either. Uh, What happened was though, once we had that, I feel like I wanted to give my family some time back. So I stopped blogging. I started blogging. Actually, if you go through my archives, it's on the sidebar of my, my site. You can see if you go way back to 2012, 2013, I was cranking out eight to 10 posts a month and then right around uh, March, April 2014, this is when my daughter was born. She was born in January. It scaled down to three posts a month and two. And then there was even a couple months in early 2015 where I only did one post a month or or maybe two. And so I scaled it way back to give my family that time back. I didn't have the side jobs and I just poured into them. Unfortunately, my blog traffic and following and everything just sort of died at that point. And honestly, the lowest point for my blog traffic wise was at FinCon this this last year. Oh, wow. In yeah. uh, 2015? Yeah. And it, which is kind of crazy because I was active on the FinCon group and I loved connecting with with my people and, and staying active in the blog community, but I was not putting the effort in. And then I felt like I couldn't get back on the horse. But I went to FinCon and I... I sat with a, a few amazing people. Uh, I got, I, I, they did a blog teardown session with the guy from the, uh, from Kyle from the Penny Hoarder and, and with uh, a few other people that were able to, to tear down my blog and say, here's what we would do. Here's how you should design it. Here's how you should optimize for income and all these things. And then I had, I just met a few people in there 
uh, Aaron Chase from $5 Dinners and Tony from The Happy Housewife sat down and just went through Pinterest with me. Showed me here, here's how you promote through Pinterest and here's how you create an online course. And here's, and all of a sudden I started getting really motivated. Right. So, and then I sat, then I joined a mastermind group with some people and I, I just had some amazing connections and I picked up a bunch of freelance work. And all of a sudden I was sort of reinvigorated to start building the blog again. And I'm happy to say that three months later, my traffic has uh, almost quadrupled this month from awesome. where it was in October. So it's it's been quite the ride. So I guess it's what October, so January. Yeah. Yeah, but when people hear this, it will be February. Okay, so at this point, hopefully it's even more. <laughs> hopefully it's five times. But yeah, my traffic's up, and uh, my freelance income is more than I've ever had. I scored some really cool jobs. I'm writing about credit cards, which I love to do anyway, and I'm uh, writing about uh, some some longer form pieces on money management and. I'm building an online course. I've got a framework. My my email list has more than doubled in awesome. the last two months. It's 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 insane. Uh, the amount of growth just kind of coming out of that, getting reinvigorated and realize, no, I still have something to say. I still want to to build this thing out and I want to make iHeartBudgets a, a way better resource. So yeah, it's it's been a really cool journey where it sort of went up and, and sustained us and then just died. And at the lowest trickle, it just got just a fire hose turned on uh, over the last three months. So and sometimes it just takes yeah. a, uh, you know, it's, um, one, one, uh, one thing that I always enjoy are ignite events, which I run the ignite um, FinCon speaking event. And if oh, yeah. for those who don't know ignite, it's a, um, it's like Ted talks on speed. They're like five minute talks. So each talk is called a spark and a spark. And you know, they say can ignite a fire. And it sounds like you really uh, got ignited this year and you're back on it, rocking and rolling. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's nine day and I'm still, I still haven't posted as frequently as I wanted, but I'm got all these things going on in the background and, and my income is more than I've ever had because of the freelance work. And I'm looking to redesign the site next month, you know, whole fresh skin on it and, and make it beautiful and all that. And yeah, it's just been a blast. So if I can help, let me know. You know I, uh, that's something yeah. I do. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. I actually remember uh, a more personal note with, uh, we were hanging out in St. Louis at that, um, I think it was the last night we were there in St. Louis and Pat Flynn was cutting a rug and we were all chilling out in the bar. I remember hanging out with oh, you yeah. talking about, you were so excited about your uh, growing family and, and all this stuff. And at that point, mm-hmm. I think I was, I don't know if I was dating or engaged to my wife. And um, you know, just three months ago, we welcomed our first, uh, our first bundle of joy. And I definitely... Uh, Think about that conversation every once in a while of us uh, wow. hanging out and you saying how how awesome your family life was. And at that point, I was definitely more living the uh, 20-something party life than the family life. But I've flipped over to the uh, – I've, I've joined you on the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember that. That was such a great night too because it was so unique that we just sort of connected and, and hung out. And um, yeah, I remember those conversations because I was – that was my first FinCon, and I believe my son was uh, about one, maybe maybe one and a half at that point. And, and I remember chatting with you. Yeah, you were still dating at that point. And then I saw you the next FinCon. You're like, you're either engaged or married or just about to be married at that point. And then the next FinCon, you're like, hey, uh, we're uh, yeah, we're gonna we're expecting like really soon. And so it was it was really cool to sort of see those stages uh, as we've sort of met up there. It's cool, and uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand unless they've been a part of an online community like this but um internet friends can become your closest real life friends it's it's a cool thing when you mm-hmm. see each even seeing each other only you know once twice a few times a year with some people 
we really year after year our lives change and you know a lot of people i met five six years ago on the internets you know now now we have families and we're married and we're Mm -hmm. uh we're not talking about budgeting for bar visits we're talking about budgeting for taking our family on vacations but now we know all we know about miles and points so we don't really have to pay for that anyway anymore and if you want to learn more about that i have an awesome travel hacking post that i'll link to in the show notes and um I know Jacob writes about that quite a bit as well. So yeah. if um, before we go, if anybody wants to hunt you down and find you on the internets and connect with you and chat with you, what are the best places to do that? Yeah. So uh, almost on every social media website, it's just at iHeartBudgets. Uh, so you're going to do twitter.com slash iHeartBudgets, pinterest.com slash iHeartBudgets, facebook.com slash iHeartBudgets. Very and good branding. If- try to make it simple and then uh, iheartbudgets.net is the website and uh, if you want to be in direct contact with me you can just do iheartbudgets at gmail.com well thank you so much for the time thanks for sharing your story learn a lot of new things about you i did not know before and it's always fun having a beer with a friend even if it's uh with fiber optic cables in between us rather than a table it's uh (laughs) it's fun to catch up and chat so um you know, thank you so much, Jacob, for sharing your story. Thank you, listeners, for listening the whole way through. As always, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, you can send me an email, Eric, at personalprofitability.com. And I would love to hear from each and every one of you. And um, I'm sure Jacob would love to hear from you as well. So thank you, everyone, again, for uh, being a part of it. And until next time, stay profitable. Thanks for listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or share it with a friend.